Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. We are here on our second week of our sermon series called Work Hard, Rest Easy. And we're talking about the second part of that sermon title, the Rest Easy part. We're talking today about the topic of Sabbath. Now, there may be no topic more countercultural in the Bay Area than the topic of Sabbath. We're going to talk about what it means. And just like last week, we have a whole list of questions from you, our loyal listeners, about Sabbath, about what it means to be a Christian who practices Sabbath in the Bay Area. We've got all sorts of questions from you, and I've got Jay Kim and Karina Gerard here in the podcast studio to answer your questions. And I, it's very practical. It's very down-to-earth, very best practices. And throughout this uh, podcast, you're going to hear Jay and Karina mercilessly make fun of me because I accidentally misspoke in a meeting just before this. Listen, I don't think mocking your coworkers is very kind, and I wish that they would take a rest from doing that. I wish they would Sabbath from making fun of me. That's what I wish. But they did not. So anyway, with that, let's just dive right in. Which animal would you say you most identify with? Because I, I think I'd probably go dolphin for myself. A black panther. Why a black, why a black panther? Black panther too. It's yes, not good. It was not as it good. Wasn't good. I felt so bad because... It's underrated. I, love, I wanted it I to be what everybody him. says and you all... Uh, I love him and I honor him You're as all a underrating the film. Chadwick, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but not, not they, a good movie. You're no. all underrating the movie. No, it's I'm not sorry. a good movie. In five years, it'll be... No, it's... Just, it's not a good movie. We'll come back to it. The the little Aquaman they well, had, Nabor, the Submariner, the first terrible. One, if you're comparing it to the first one, of course, but you can't do that. I can right. compare it to the first because one. Because you have to watch How about I just compare it to a own. good movie <laughs> with a competent no. script? I don't know. Yeah, no. How about that? How about that, Jay? We're going to come back to it in five years, and everyone will realize it was actually a decent film. False. Mm-hmm. So. I'm with Karina on this yeah. one. I feel like... I, and, and I have to say, I mean, I'm not into Marvel type of movies, right? Sure. Uh-huh. I, I, I like much more heady films, and I loved... Black Panther. Sure. I, I think I wept through the whole thing. I was like weeping for days thinking about the first Black Panther. There was so much beauty in it. It was so beautiful to see such a powerful cast of women and then black women to have. But none of that changes in the second film. In oh, fact, oh, I would no. argue Angela Bassett, who was nominated for a, for an Oscar for her role. That is true. And was robbed. Should have won. That's my argument. I don't even know Ooh. who won. Who won this year for It doesn't matter. Angela Bassett should have won. <laughs> no, everything I would say was, her role uh, is... Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Her they role won everything, is... And they deserved it. Oh, it was... Uh, what's her face? The Michelle accountant. Yow? The accountant. No, no. Or, she won Best Actor. Oh, okay. She was uh, not a supporting actor, The supporting was uh, Jamie Lee Jamie Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Anyways, yeah. let's anyway. move on. I'm just okay. saying. Rewatch both films. <laughs> Angela Bassett's role in the second one. Okay. Far more first one impactful second second film, incredibly impactful. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are here to talk about something, but it's not Black Panther. No. I would or, also like to discuss movies. Thor Ragnarok now. <laughs> we're gonna litigate the second Thor film. No, we're gonna litigate the Eternals. <laughs> we're gonna litigate the Eternals right here. No, uh, I'm here in the studio. Welcome, J. Kim, Karina, Gerard. So glad you both are here with Hi. me. We're Hi. here to talk about Sabbath. Mm. Yes. <clears throat> you guys both talked about Sabbath. You know, I was thinking about this just because when I don't have to actually, you know, 
preach. I get to like sit back and watch. And I realize this is really a countercultural idea. The idea of Sabbath in the Bay Area is like nuts. Yeah. And so it really, it really affected me. I've got some questions that people have written in and uh, about Sabbath. And I just thought I'd, I'd pose them to you. And you each, I guess you can each have a veto. <laughs> no, no I'm not, not responding. Yeah, just, just, or just don't respond. Um, and I don't even know where to start because there's so many questions. I think I have 15 questions, so I got to choose wisely. Um, can I, let 15? me start. What? 15. I have questions. 15 questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot. Yeah, you pick just a few. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let's start here. We're going to go into definitions of Sabbath. Um, and so somebody wrote in and said, what does it mean to obey the Sabbath in today's world? Um, Jay, you talked about Sabbathing as kind of a verb, uh, not as a, a necessarily a time, a time, time space, a thing, but it, it, as, as something we do, is there a guideline or definition that you guys have? And this is to both of you that helps you reflect and self-correct when you think about what it means to Sabbath or obey the Sabbath. And then there's some, also some, what's it, what does it look like for you? Uh, and then we'll get into some, I just, I just wonder if you have a definition of Sabbath that allows you to like, say I'm Sabbathing this week, I've done a good job of Sabbathing or obeying the Sabbath. Do you guys have a definition in your, in your heads or hearts? Yeah. Well, I'd say there's an actual literal definition. So the Hebrew word means to cease, um, to cease from your labor. Um, but when we're speaking of a cultural practice of Sabbath, I think it is intentional time set apart with God. It is intentional with God, time and space. Yeah. Intentional with God in time and space. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah, stop work and, and intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, to cease work, but also not. You know, I talked about this a little bit at Saratoga. It's it's not about um, do nothing. Sabbath is not. That's what a lot of people I think think Sabbath is like. Oh, Sabbath is when I lay down binge on the floor. my Netflix. Oh, or whatever. Mm. Okay, just numb out and you know. Yeah, that's rest, and it could be meaningful or meaningless, sort of depending on your wherewithal and kind of where you are, where you are, you know, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, but. I think Sabbath, you know, Karina just said it. It's it's a it's a it's a with God practice. So if it's not, it is it is ceasing for the purpose of something, you know, to remember and to observe a particular reality about who you are and what you're made from and what you're made for. Yeah. Um, so the other thing too, Karina and I talked about this a little bit offline. Um, we diverge a little bit on our understanding, not in significant ways, but I think where we agree, Karina and I both, I don't, I don't, I mean, all of life for the Christian is a life of obedience to Christ in all things. So all of life is obedience. But in terms of the phrase, like to obey the Sabbath, I, I, I think that the Sabbath is at least in common nomenclature a better way to understand it is that is it's an invitation into um the intentional practice of of god's presence and yeah you know our fullness in him and not so much a, a legal measure yeah. where yeah. it's like at 8 p.m on this day i just stop otherwise it becomes a very rote non-relational mm. it can or it can run that risk you know yeah um, although I'm, I'm a I'm a big believer in practices for sure, but 
So I yeah, I would probably not say it that way. Like, how do I obey the Sabbath? But rather, how do I enter the Sabbath? Say yes to God's invitation to. I think they might have meant observe. They, oh, I'm not knocking yeah, their yeah. Qu- question. I, think I, I don't know. Question. I don't know what but the person I think meant. Other people yeah. might hold that belief. Ah, like yes, it's yes. some sort of law to be obeyed. Mm-hmm. And if I were to disobey it, perhaps God might be displeased with me or something. Am I sinning yeah, if right. I don't? Right. That's the key. Yeah. Am I in sin if yeah. at 8 p.m. on Friday I didn't whatever? And I don't think it's that okay so second question which i think comes on the heels of this which is what you just said so um it's an invitation from god to cease work as creation has said to stop to rest and then there's this god relational component you're being intentional about connecting with god um somebody wrote this in they said i have a co-worker who is profoundly non-religious and i found i was surprised to learn that they sabbath every week mm. i did not know this was a thing do you think there's a way to Sabbath that's functionally not religious? What's the overlap and what's the difference? I'd say that person is resting. They're ceasing from their labor, but obviously that's not intentional with God time. So it's n- not what God is inviting us into as his image bearers. He's saying, I want to have a relationship with you and that relationship, you know, to be healthy and flourishing demands some some time some energy some intention some mm. one-on-one-edness or even in community because some of our experience of god is with others with the yeah. body of christ you know in the community of christ we also experience his embodied presence yeah. so um I wouldn't use the word Sabbath for someone who's not. Yeah. So this uh, person is secular and they would say I'm Sabbathing, which is it. So you're saying mm-hmm. the, the idea of a secular Sabbath is a, uh, what's that called? Oxymoron. It's, it's like not, not possible. Is that, is that kind of the idea? Biblically speaking? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. the word Sabbath is an English word that get, you know, yeah, so I see it's what you like, mean. what yeah. are we talking about here? But it's we're talking like, theologically. Yeah. Theologically, it's not, yeah, yeah I mean, it's not sense. a with God experience. It's, it's healthy wisdom for all human beings who are yeah. finite in nature to be yeah. resting at regular yeah. intervals, just like we have to eat X amount of times, yeah. we have to sleep X amount of hours. You know. I think it's an echo yeah. of a longing and desire in yes. all humans made in the image of God. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever um, heard the Oregon train story? No. Uh, so there's, this the is, Oregon I used to train? play that game Oregon when trail. I was in uh, like Oregon trail. Trail. fifth train. grade, maybe something like dysentery and earlier, died. Yeah. <laughs> earlier in a meeting, Dave was talking about porpoises, porpoises and horses. <laughs> yeah. and it was, it was very so confusing. confusing. Okay. Just so we can clear that up. I was making an observation that He's different people, the different people are different things. I said, you're like a horse and I'm like a porpoise, but it came out. I'm a horse porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's no such thing, and I know that. You don't need Can to keep reminding. Can someone who's like a graphic designer please make him a shirt that's a hybrid between yeah. a horse Hi, and a get porpoise? On, I'm, get a horse or <laughs> I'm a horse journey. porpoise. Okay. I'm a horse porpoise. This is practical, and I, I already know what you guys are going to say, but somebody actually wrote this, and they said, listen, because of my work, I have nearly round-the-clock responsibilities on the weekend, and I travel quite a bit as well. Does Sabbath always have to be on the same day? Does it always have to be on a Sunday? Do you have to go to church? Can a person choose to another day to Sabbath other than Sunday. So I think what this person says is my schedule is kind of a, a whack mm. and I don't have a lot of control over it. What do you recommend? Or is there something you say? Um, it, 
what, what what are your thoughts on on that that reality? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Again, I think it is an invitation to spend intentional time in the presence of God um, and finding rest in Him. And this this is argued, right? Orthodox Jews to this day um, militantly practice Sabbath from sundown on Friday until nightfall Saturday. There's a lot of beauty in their practice, too. I'm not knocking it. I, I, I have friends who are followers of Jesus, Christians, who sort of calendar the same deal, you know, um, sundown Friday to, to nightfall Saturday. But if, if the question is more, like, theological in nature, mm. am, am I, like, not keeping Sabbath because I work Saturday to Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday is my... No, I, I don't see... a. a I don't have a my best understanding of scripture, you know, looking at the entire view of it, Old Testament and New. No, I don't think there's a sort of a militant legality to it. Like it's got to be on this day to that day, Sunday, church. I and mean, you think about Westgate, for years there were Saturday services, and that was like the yeah. day many people at our church gathered to worship together. So, yeah. 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 I think there's freedom there. Yeah, I would say it's not about the letter of the law. And. Yeah, I think just what uh, Jesus models, in addition to being a, a good Jewish boy, you know, who observed all of the Jewish laws at the same time, he had these other moments where he went away to solitary places to be one-on-one with the Father. And those weren't tied to any specific days or times. There was no legality to that. He just knew it was time for him to be alone with the Father. But at the same time, I think um, I use Google Calendar very, uh, quote, religiously <laughs> because my schedule... It puts boundaries on things, right? My schedule is so busy. If I do not put the proverbial rocks in first, everything else will steal every second of every day. Explain every that minute. metaphor because some people might not have heard it. So go ahead yeah. and explain that. Yeah, there's, uh, I don't know... Uh, urban legend, a college professor comes into a classroom and has a container and has three other containers, one with uh, stones, one with small rocks, and one with sand, and asks his students, hey, do you think I can fit all of this into this container? And uh, the students aren't quite sure. Yes, no, I don't know. He puts the sand in first, and he can't possibly fit any of the other stuff in because the sand has taken up all the space. But then he redoes the experiment, putting the stones in first. The bigger rocks. The bigger rocks. And um, then, you know, he's able to fit, I guess, more into the jar. But it's just a sort of metaphor to say that you really have to decide as a human being what is most important to you. What are the big things? One of the things I really appreciate in um, Steve Clifford, his time here, is he talked often about this piece of paper he stuck in the front of his journal every year. And it was like, this is what I want my life to count for. And that, that takes some serious wrestling with, like, what is actually important to you? And then I encourage people, like anyone who's ever done Discover the Bible, literally, if you want to do this with your life, Put it in your calendar first, because if you don't, the sand will steal 
every second of every day. Is your family important to you? Then put that on your Google calendar. Is exercising important to you? Put that on your Google calendar. Is spending regular daily time with the father important to you? Put it on your Google calendar. So like a literal and it not, it's not about the law, but I just know my own calendar, my own lifestyle. I am wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of things. If it's not literally in my Google calendar, the truth is I will never do it. Yeah. Uh, somebody else, just to dovetail off that idea, somebody else wrote, um, I recently made a list of all the, all the ways and all the things I need to do. And then I consulted some experts online on what's the minimal amount of time I have to spend per week on that thing just to be barely proficient at it. So sleep, rest, exercise, work, career, family, friends. The total came out for bare minimum 36 hours a day. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There's not enough hours in the day. How can I possibly Sabbath? How does Sabbath make sense of that? Mm. Have you found in your experience that Sabbath helps you prioritize mm. more effectively and let the things that aren't really urgent fall away? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. There's, um, I, I shared this on Sunday. They did sort of, there's a longitudinal study where they did a, a very honest assessment of people's schedules. This mm. is recent, actually. Yeah. And the average American, including the ones that say they they have zero time, the average American spends 5.2 what they categorize as leisure hours a day. 5.2? Yeah, out of waking hours. So if you're awake, you know, 17, 18 hours a day, mm. it's still almost a third of your day. Mm. Now, what they include in leisure hours is like, Internet use that's not for work. Sure. Um, watching TV, whether it's traditional sure. or streaming, uh, socializing, um, a little bit of exercise. It's all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to be sensitive to the question because I, I there are actual people yeah. that we all know who literally something has to change and circumstantially it's very challenging. Yeah. My mother was this way growing up. She didn't have enough time, mm -hmm. but she was a single mom. She worked three jobs at a time mm -hmm. and was trying to raise me. I, I know for a fact, because she was a seamstress, she didn't have like a sit at a computer and think sort of job. She literally had bags of clothes mm. that she had to sew together or yeah. fix or alter and they were due by a certain she did not have enough time in the day mm -hmm. there are there are lots of people in silicon valley who live that way yeah so i want to be sensitive to that uh, and i think the answer for them is very complex and challenging to mm -hmm. be honest with you mm -hmm. um and i and i do think this isn't the ultimate answer i but i do think a small part of the answer is this is why um the church has to um, can't it can't just be an ethereal idea of community. We have to actually be community. Um, so one small thing would be, for example, this is a real thing in our lives. Uh, we've had people in our life group, a couple whose life is sort of like that, zero time. So it's not like we can change their life. But what we can do is like drop your kids off at our house for two hours so that you can go get dinner. Because a lot of the time it's like, they can't because they can't afford whatever. Mm -hmm. So we've done that a few times. So I think community really matters to help yeah. provide opportunities ah, for that's Sabbath. Good. That's good. I would also say there's a lot of people 
who think they have zero margin for Sabbath, who if you really honestly prioritize. If you look at their screen time, maybe. You've got time for Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody, but I think that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. My son, uh, just yesterday, he is about to be 17 years old, and I asked him if he had done some things on a to-do list, and he had this kind of beautiful, vulnerable moment, and he said, I have so much on my plate that there are these moments where I look at the list and I am kind of paralyzed by the amount of things that I have to do, and I just can't even imagine doing any of them. I, I like I have nothing left, no resources within me. <laughs> so then he just numbs out, yeah. you know, yeah. and for it's him numbing hard. out is playing the electric guitar, which is also kind of beautiful, but I'm like, I'm, I'm divided as a parent. I'm like, I'm so glad you're like playing music and composing and recording beautiful things. But at the same time, like, did you do these things? You're about to graduate. Are you right. checking off the boxes? And he's like, I just emotionally can't even muster any volition within me to like do one more thing, you no. know, you know? So I think some people, they might mathematically have the time, but they're just so kind of spent, you know, yeah. they'd rather just completely zombie out on mm-hmm. whatever it is, video game, movie shopping. We've all got our own, you know, method uh, I think that's common medicating. Yeah, yeah. I think that's common in our culture and it has to be taken into consideration and, and addressed is that it's, it's also not just math. It's mm-hmm. not just there are 17 hours in a day. Like Cal mm-hmm. Newport in his you know book, Deep Work, he talks a lot about how um, the transition from one type of work or one type of mindset to the other, it's not as quickly as for 30 minutes I'll do this and then 30 minutes I'll yeah. do that. There's a gap in the your body and your mind catching up yes. to the shift. Yeah. And I, you know, this is a very specific example, but I see it a lot. You know, Karina's got kids that are older than my kids, but when you think you, you do as well, you know, your son justice now is going to college next year. And, um, and then my kids are younger, they're eight and almost five, but I see it in the, I don't know if it's just here or if it's just across the country, but you know, you and I have talked about college admissions quite a bit and just Mm -hmm. how, unrealistically competitive how dangerously competitive it is now and um we expect kids sometimes to be like okay well you only sleep six hours you got 18 hours just do this studying here and then go grab coffee with your friend there that but they're doing brain shifts and emotional shifts throughout which is very taxing and and paralyzing you know and Mm -hmm. and i i think i've read some stuff about just how paralysis has basically overtaken Mm. an entire generation of young people and it happens in our workplaces too i think you know and at home as parents i see that all the time and um so it's really challenging but i think if possible sabbath can be a very healthy disruption to that paralysis it's not the end all it doesn't fix the problem necessarily um but trying to integrate it because I'm like Karina, I have to be really militant about my calendar. Otherwise um, I won't do anything, you know, or I'll do everything and die. Right. So it's just the extremes. Wasn't it Martin Luther who said something like, I have so much to do today 
I have to spend an hour. I have to spend an hour in prayer. And I, and again, moving away from the legality of that, but just the concept of sort of loaves and fishes. I am a finite human. I mean, Genesis starts with these words like, I am dust and to dust I shall return. God is completely aware of my limitations, the number of hours that are in a day, the amount of energy that I have as a human being, the you know modicum of ability or talent that he's put into me as a human being. There's only so much that I can do. Right. So I think um, really living a with God life um, can free me from the tyranny of my to-do list and begin to trust him with what I will not be able to accomplish in this day. Like, as I go to sleep, I have to be okay with, there are some things on this list that were not done and cannot be done, and I'll just have to believe and trust that that was as good as I could do for today. that's right. But... If I've really created time and space intentionally for the rocks, for my time with God, my time with my family, I'm an introvert, so time with myself is a piece of that, Um, then I can be a healthier, happier human being who's living more, I think, in the intention that God had for me than just in terror of the things that I for certain cannot complete. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the analogy that's so interesting I, I, as you were talking i was thinking about uh we were talking about the oregon trail and that was a story that we got um off on because you made fun <laughs> of the porpoise horse anyway uh here's what happened there was a very and they have this documented there's various teams that left almost at the exact same time from almost the exact same place and some of the groups were like devoutly religious some of them were mormon or they were seventh-day adventist or whatever and those wagon trains sabbath and we have the records and the tracks and how long it took them and they are the the groups that sabbathed which means they took an entire day and did not move Mm -hmm. they just cooked and sat right and they rested the animals and the oxen and everything even the horses right everybody everybody rests even the horse porpoises yes you know what i i feel attacked but we're going to keep going with my story they arrived something like two weeks earlier yeah. Wow. And it was, it was, um, there's something about being constantly frazzled and, 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 and at the edge of your self for being that for that long of a journey that like made you inefficient or something. It yeah. just did something bad to you. Yeah. So, um, you That's know, it's interesting. Cool. Even, even, even horses and oxen seem to be finite in this yeah. way. It's interesting. Yeah. Even the animals. Uh, this is, uh, I guess we'll have time for one more. Uh, so, uh, this is uh, about leaders and pastors. It says, I, hey guys, I know you guys are leaders. I know you're pastors. I know a lot of people listening also have a lot of God-given responsibilities. I think about parents and people that lead companies. How do you reconcile your public responsibilities in your role when you're struggling internally, especially when you know you can't just quit or even sometimes take a long sabbatical? How do you not just fake it? Um what, what what's your advice on there? So this is somebody saying like, when you know you have got responsibilities and they're heavy and you know, you can't just walk away from them just for a variety of reasons. You feel like they're God given. Like how does, how do you, how do you regain health in that uh, when you feel super depleted? Uh, like what are, what are some things you guys do? It's hmm. a good question. As an Enneagram four, I just would never encourage a person towards, hypocrisy or dishonesty, I think 
as a leader. That's to, the fake it till you make it. Yeah, that's that's th- what he said. I think uh, yeah. leading vulnerably. Um, so I think first of all, like even addressing that, like if you're in a team meeting, like I think it's okay for a leader and actually good leadership to say, you know, there's some wisdom like balance. You don't want to bleed all over your team, but just you know what, I'm kind of running on empty today, you know, just kind of calling it, naming it. Um, Because there's probably other people on your team who feel the same way. And Mm -hmm. so feeling permission to actually verbalize the reality and then to healthily model for your team. Like you went, I know we have this meeting, but I'm I'm like on the verge of burnout. I'm actually going to cancel meetings on Thursday so I can spend some time with the family. Like, I think that that would be an outstanding like testimonial life to your team in the business workforce to be like, oh, wow, this person has boundaries and they're not going to push themselves till they redline. They're actually like recognizing that in themselves. And I, if they have permission, then I have permission to actually like call a timeout. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I've actually been really encouraged just talking to friends work not in church but in you know for-profit tech world i don't think it's like changed dramatically or something but it does feel at at least anecdotally like uh the tides are turning a little bit you know i've heard from friends in surprising ways that have surprised me like oh you're you know your team at wherever apple or google or um at the school district or whatever like oh my gosh you guys did that you guys took a uh, a team day or you gave the whole team uh you know like whatever self self care is like a very you know polarizing word but like a self care day or stuff like that yeah so that's kind of cool like i feel like there are these uh again coming back to it just the earlier question about the person who said, I have a friend who is like clearly not Christian, not religious, but they Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense in some ways. We are all as humans made in the image of God and God has imbued within us a particular rhythm as humans, you know, like you can't just go forever. (laughs) Like human beings are bodies and our bodies are designed to go need rest or to rest and then go and rest. And, you know, so, um, it's cool to see some of that. And, and I agree with Karina. I, I don't know if this is the question specifically about just leadership in general, but for me in my experience, um, it's interesting. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are church leaders, locally and around the country and and it is alarming to me and surprising to me which i receive as a real gift and blessing of my situation in that i do hear a lot of stories in church world of friends who say yeah i i have i've I've done local church ministry in a context where i feel like or my leader my previous leader feels like or felt like they had to sort of lead with a particular energy and a particular whatever all the time that's just not been my experience you know it wasn't the way steve led westgate for 20 years in fact he led even even in in um in in ways that were maybe not so helpful but i'm so grateful for it like he led so far the other direction where it was like no like i'm i'm just kind of exhausted or i'm heartbroken or and those who know the clifford story know there were situations and circumstances they've been through where it was like there was no other choice but to lead honestly and vulnerably. Mm-hmm. And I think it 
it set a particular sort of cultural value for us here. And I'm not saying we do it perfectly, but it is not weird or un it, it, in fact, it's almost like an expected part of our culture, I think, um, <clears throat> to, to be honest, you know, and to not have to like put on a face or a facade or whatever. I also think practically for everybody trying to figure out like whether it's your weekly calendar, but also your monthly and your annual calendar, you know, we, um, offer all of our staff here, all of our pastors and directors, at least, uh, one prayer day a month, you know, where you can take an entire work day and just go be with the Lord. And, um, yeah, whatever that rhythm looks like in a, in a for-profit setting, I, th I think it's important, you know? And, yeah. And I do think, like, weekly, monthly, annual rhythms really matter. So, like, for us and our family, I take three weeks off every June, you know? So I'm, like, six weeks out, and I'll be gone for three weeks, and um, most of our staff have some rhythm like that. So, so the idea of having like a, a finish line for your day, for your week, and then kind of like a, a break in the year, kind of end of the year. Yeah. 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 As a best practice. Yeah, daily, something. weekly, monthly. Yeah. yeah. And for, for me and my family, we have those. We're not necessarily great at keeping it all the time, but I think we do a pretty good job. Sure. Sure. And, um, and I think some of it too is what Karina was saying earlier. Even some people are like, I'm not a calendar person i'm not an organized but listen i'm not a super yeah. organized calendar person does not either. come naturally it's yeah. not that it's not yeah. like it doesn't work for my personality it's not that it's mm -hmm. it's not working it, it's a like you almost work yourself into it it's mm -hmm. like a it's like guardrails you create yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah, know yeah. so I, I would suggest to everybody some form of calendaring 100%. a schedule yeah, yeah. It, it really matters i've, and, I've heard both of you say that now yeah. quite a, quite a few times uh do you have any I, like, I know you're different than jay you're different than me in terms of you know introversion and stuff do you have a best practice that you would say that you wish you would have known or that you could give advice to younger karina uh, as you think about your own uh, ideas of Sabbath? Wow. Um, <laughs> well, how, how young? I've had a wild life. <laughs> um, I mean, I think for me, I wish I would have known how Sabbath just relates to my identity. <laughs> uh, I for sure have felt my whole life and still really struggle with the lie that I have to earn my right to be a person on planet Earth. <laughs> I have to work for it. I have to um, fight for. And produce. Yeah, yeah. produce. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I have to prove it. I have to. Uh, that That is one of the major, still today, you know, falsehoods that I struggle with and the reality that humankind, including myself, was birthed into Sabbath, that I have been made in God's image and um, called a daughter of God completely irregardless of anything that I could have ever done or made or created or performed or produced or... <laughs> You know, in the same way that Christ died for me when I was his enemy, I, I could have cared less about God. And he's the one who sought me out. <laughs> Gosh, if, if I had known how loved I was.
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Sabbath is. It's, yeah. it's coming from that place. Well, yeah. thank you guys. We didn't get to all the questions, but we got to a lot of them. Yeah. Thank you guys for that. Thanks for, and, and, and for, for you guys out there, there's a couple of resources um, in our life group page that we've put up there. Um, Practicing the way a couple books, um, the ruthless elimination of hurry by John Mark Comer, uh, AJ Swoboda's book, um, subversive, subversive Sabbath, Sabbath which yeah. is a good book. Um, so if you're interested to t- and just take the next step, man, just take the next step. Just, you know, like, like start guardrails, start practicing and it's okay if you're not good at it. Yeah. It's, it's just okay. Just get better at it. Just, I mean, practice. That's why it's called a practice. Yeah. It's called a practice because we need to get better. Sometimes you make mistakes. Like you say, horse porpoise. Sometimes <laughs> it's okay. Just rest. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Karina. And we will see you uh, See you next time. Yes. I hate all of you so, so much. Oh, Just want to say thanks to Jay Kim and Karina Gerard for stopping by to talk about Sabbath. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about probably the most controversial of all of our topics. We're talking about the topic of money. So we're going to have Jay Kim and Steve Clifford here to talk about that. So join us for that next week. Money, 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 money. So there it is. See you next week.